think the American media tends to apply quite like right-wing framings to the issue of immigration. Biden's continued this quite right-wing immigration policy. And that means that he's not got as much criticism on this as, as you might expect. Welcome to another episode of America Explained, a podcast that brings the important voices and perspectives shaping American politics, foreign policy and culture to an international audience. Hello, welcome to America Explained, the podcast about American politics and foreign policy aimed at an international audience. I'm your host, Andy Gawthorpe. In this episode, we're talking about the situation at the southern border, where last year saw a record number of 3 million interceptions of people crossing that border by US authorities. The previous record was only in 2021, the previous year, and Republicans and conservative media have been screaming for both of these years about a crisis at the border. As we'll explore, a lot of the rights complaints don't add up. But it is nevertheless the case that a very acute situation exists at the border. It's causing major human suffering and the administration is really struggling to cope with it. So in this episode, we're going to talk about what this situation is and what immigration politics looks like in America today. So thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy America Explained. If you do, please tell a friend and consider subscribing to our newsletter, which you can find a link to in the show notes. So... The key to understanding what's been happening at the southern border over the last few years is a policy that Trump introduced in March 2020 called Title 42. You've probably heard about this in the news. It's been talked about a lot recently. Title 42 was a measure which the Trump administration bought in at the start of the COVID pandemic. And what it essentially does is that it allows the US government to immediately deport anyone it finds crossing the southern border on the grounds that they may be a threat to public health, that basically, you know, they might be carrying COVID and hence they're a threat to public health in America. This policy was introduced after the Trump administration leaned very heavily on the Center for Diseases Control to promulgate this policy, and it allowed the Trump administration to achieve its dream of completely closing or nearly completely closing the southern border under the pretext of protecting the country from COVID. Title 42 had really huge consequences for what happened at the border, but to see why you have to understand what happened before that, because you may think, well, isn't it always the case that the US kicks out of the country anybody who it catches crossing the border? But actually, that isn't the case. That's not what happened a lot of the time before Title 42. And the reason for this is that over the last decade or so, there's been a really big shift in migration patterns into the US. So, In the early 2000s, the median person crossing the border was a single Mexican male who tried to sneak past border patrol and into the country and was essentially coming for economic reasons because, you know, he could earn more money in America, send it back to his family in Mexico. But since about 2013-14, there's been a big shift in the composition of of the people coming over the border and a huge number of them have begun to be family units or sometimes single parents with children or even unaccompanied children who cross the border and then voluntarily surrender themselves to the authorities and make a claim for refugee status. Now, after this in the past, before Title 42, they would typically be allowed to stay in the country until their case appeared before a judge in an immigration court, and then that judge would decide if they were going to be granted refugee status. Now, because the immigration courts are so backed up that there's such a shortage of of space for these hearings, 
many, many people were released into the country before the hearing took place and, and they might have to wait years until that hearing. So many of these people would just disappear into America. They'd never turn up for their refugee status hearing or they would turn up and then they would be granted refugee status. Title 42 completely short-circuited this process because the declaration of this public health emergency allowed the Trump administration and then later the Biden administration to expel even these people who were planning to make a claim for refugee status. Now, that's important because the ability to claim refugee status is protected in American and international law, usually. But this kind of public health emergency that was declared by 42 effectively took away that right to refugee status. Now, you might think that if the government is being so harsh about expelling people straight away, then fewer people would be trying to come, and you might expect border crossing numbers to actually decline rather than go up hugely as they have done. But this is where things get complicated and where it becomes actually really difficult to interpret those immigration statistics today because Title 42 has made them much harder to understand. The reason for that is because people get expelled so quickly under Title 42, usually just been sent basically back over the border into Mexico, and then huge numbers of them try again to enter the country. So, and they might get caught again, or they might not get caught, but if they get caught, then they show up in those immigration or those border crossing statistics again as a new person. So, in the first year and a half of Title 42, actually the majority of apprehensions made by Border Patrol were of repeat crosses. So that means that that record figure of nearly 3 million apprehensions in 2022 represents fewer unique individuals than you might think attempting that journey. And we don't actually know how many unique individuals there are in that data. There is some data that the authorities have released that give an insight into this. What I found really interesting was that apparently there's one individual who has been detained crossing the border 144 times. That's got to be the most unlucky person alive. I would love it if a journalist could track that person down and tell that person's story. Unfortunately, right now, it's just a data point in a database, but I would love to know what was going on there. But Anyway, even if it is difficult to figure out exactly how many people have been trying to come in because, you know, someone trying to cross 144 times shows up as 144 attempted crossings, it is clear that there has been a big surge in people trying to cross from specific countries. And this has caused a real humanitarian disaster. And actually, it's important to remember as well that these people are often fleeing humanitarian disasters, and then they get to the border and they find this completely clogged up system. A lot of the problem here contains migrants from countries with which the US government has bad relations, particularly Cuba and Nicaragua. So these countries won't actually allow the US to repatriate their citizens under Title 42, and Mexico won't take them either. So surges in individuals from these countries have really overwhelmed border facilities and led to very crowded and unsanitary conditions, just basically because the US government still, after five or six or seven years of this crisis, has not adequately funded and expanded those facilities at the border, because Congress won't get its act together and, and you know contribute to sorting this problem out. 
Also in the last year, there have been huge increases in migrants coming from Haiti and Venezuela, Russia, Ukraine, and a host of other countries. And in fact, 40% of border crossings in 2022 were from people who don't come from Mexico or Central America. Just like 10 years ago, that was, you know, something like one or two or 3% weren't coming from Mexico or Central America. Now it's 40%. So there's been a big you know, big shift in the composition of, of where people are coming from, and it's not always easy for the US government to expel them under Title 42. So even though Title 42 is leading to the expulsion of most border crossers, there's still a crisis in um, facilities at the border trying to house the people who do come over and do stay. So there's now also, despite Title 42, the backlog of asylum cases waiting to be heard is now over 1.5 million. That's 1.5 million people waiting for their day in court to have their asylum case heard. That's the highest ever, and it's going to take years and years and years to get through that backlog. So this is just some of the ways in being it's been a it's a really tough situation over the past couple of years. And after the break, I'm gonna break down how the Biden administration is handling it and also how Republicans have responded to it as well. You're listening to America Explained, a podcast about the United States for an international audience. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, tell a friend, and leave a positive review on your podcast platform. So immigration has been one of those issues, and I think trade is another one, in which the Biden administration really didn't turn out to be such a huge departure from the Trump administration as we expected. And that certainly diffused the political salience of the issue. I think the American media tends to apply quite like right-wing framings to the issue of immigration. Biden's continued this quite right-wing immigration policy, and that means that he's not got as much criticism on this as as you might expect, as I'm going to talk about in a minute, the left has criticized him a lot, but their message doesn't turn out to be as discussed or as salient in, in mainstream media. So, you know, the immigration hasn't been actually that huge of an issue over the last two years, even though there has been this this huge crisis. And I think the basic decision that, that led to this situation was that Biden decided in the first months in office to leave Title 42 in place, not to remove it even after he declared the coronavirus emergency to be essentially over or or under control. And rather than removing Title 42 entirely, he created large exemptions to it for specific groups. So, for instance, one of the most important of these was that he took a decision early on to exempt unaccompanied minors from Title 42. That meant that if a child crossed the border on their own, they would not be expelled. Now, this can be seen, well, it is in many ways a a humanitarian gesture, gesture, because usually children who are sent over the border in this way have relatives who are already living in the US, so it's not like they've just been sent into this country with, with no one to go to. And these children would usually be picked up by Border Patrol, they would go through a preliminary screening, then they would be sent to their relatives who were already living in the US. So this became a way for for children to get into the US, but it also meant that it led to, you know, kind of basically a, a process of voluntary family separation. 
because parents were having to send their children over the border on their own. So maybe it was going to be possible for your child to come to the US and have that better life that, that you'd been dreaming of or for your child to escape the terrible conditions back home. But they were going to have to do that without their parents or without whatever adult had come to the border with them. So that was a really difficult decision. And You know, it's pretty clear that, like I said, the Biden administration avoided a lot of political blowback just by lifting Title 42 entirely. But, you know, this led to a lot of criticism on the part of the left, which said that basically, well, Title 42 was always basically just this cynical attempt to use public health as an excuse to shut down the southern border. And we really expected Biden to move faster in rescinding it. Now, the administration did eventually move to try to end Title 42 last spring, and it was originally scheduled to come to an end in May of last year. But then, as often happens in American politics, the courts got involved, and a federal judge ended up blocking the administration from formally ending Title 42. Now, the administration did appeal this decision. I'm not really sure its heart was in it. I, I almost, you know, on my darker days, I think that they expected a judge to block it and then they were kind of okay with that. And actually during this time, when the appeal was taking place, they actually expanded the use of Title 42 to deal with a large influx of Venezuelans. Then when another court overturned Title 42 in November, the administration asked for five weeks to get ready before that order came into effect. Then just before it was due to do so, the Supreme Court intervened, so another court getting involved, and upheld Title 42 again. And that's where we are right now. During this back and forth, the administration was trying to come up with various tools, like other tools, to get the situation under control. But it's quite notable that even though it was supposed to lift Title 42 last May, that's when it said it was ready, when it actually got the opportunity to do it in November, the administration actually asked for a delay in that order, so it still wasn't ready. It just doesn't seem prepared to deal with this large pent-up demand to enter the US that Title 42 has created, and these judicial back and forths have actually perhaps, from the administration's point of view, been a good thing, because it stops them from having to face up to this fact, you know, that there are now tens of thousands of migrants who've been waiting in these dangerous and dirty camps in Mexico for the policy to end, and when it does end, they're going to try and cross the border en masse. That's a horrible humanitarian situation that's been created that these migrants are living in, in Mexico, and the administration just doesn't really seem ready to deal with with the consequences of that. It has tried to do a few other things which it hopes will get the situation under control in the long term. So when it faced this large movement of people coming in from Venezuela, the administration created a new program which was designed to encourage Venezuelans to apply for refugee status from outside of the country. And it now plans to extend this um, process to other countries as well, like Nicaragua. But this new program, which basically means that to apply for it, you have to apply from your own country over an app, like on your phone or on the internet. And there's only 30,000 spots available on this new program. And anybody else, anybody who tries to cross the border is going to get deported under Title 42 straight away. So actually before, when Mexico was refusing to take Venezuelan refugees back, the administration wasn't able to deport them using Title 42. But now it can do, because Mexico's agreed as part of this new program that it will take deportees. So essentially, now if you're seeking refugee status from Cuba 
or Haiti or Nicaragua or Venezuela, you have no choice but to use this app to apply for one of what's actually a very limited, like small number of spaces, and you can no longer cross the border from Mexico. Now, that's quite restrictive, actually, because many people who need asylum do not necessarily have access to apps on their mobile phone, or they don't have a mobile phone, they don't have internet access, they perhaps are living in a refugee camp. Even if they can apply, there's only a limited number of spots available. So, in a way, you know, the administration has created this new, quite narrow pathway for a small number of people to come in, but it's actually expanded quite drastically against people from these countries, the use of this policy, Title 42, that it claimed that it was ready to get rid of. At the same time that it announced this new program, the administration also announced something else, which is actually potentially much, much more sweeping, and that's a so-called transit ban. A transit ban basically says that if you travel through another country on the way to the United States, so that's Mexico usually because anyone arriving at the southern border has traveled through Mexico, well, if you do that, then you are forced to apply for refugee status in Mexico before you will be eligible for refugee status in the United States. So that basically means that refugees have to apply for asylum in Mexico before they're even going to be considered in the US. Now, this was a policy that the Trump administration attempted to implement. It was struck down multiple times by federal courts who said that it was contrary to American law. And I'm not sure that the Biden administration's attempt to introduce it is, is going to go any better. And at the same time, it's going to cause extremely harsh criticism from the left, from um, proponents of, of the rights of refugees who say that it's inhumane to make people apply for asylum in Mexico, a country that is actually itself, they argue, not safe for people from, for instance, Central America. That's due to various factors, but especially the fact that many of the gangs and the cartels that refugees are fleeing have a large presence in Mexico and they follow people and they persecute them and murder them in Mexico. So just, you know, the the argument that, that refugee advocates make is that Mexico is just not a safe place for, for these refugees. They should not be forced to say, stay there. They should have the option of coming to the US. At the moment, the administration has, has not given a date for when it plans to introduce this policy. It says that it's going to invite public comment, invite public debate on the issue, and then it intends to move forward with it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that debate plays out and, and if they do actually move to implement this policy in the end. Because if they do, it's going to be, I think, tremendously controversial. And if it's implemented, actually quite harmful to, to many refugees. One thing that's really highlighted by all of this executive branch policymaking is really the failure of Congress to get to grips with the issue of immigration, either by, at the bare minimum, properly funding and overhauling the nation's refugee system and, and its refugee courts so that there isn't a backlog of 1.5 million people, so that people aren't forced to stay in overcrowded facilities in the southern US, or also, you know, something that Congress could do that, that would be even more drastic and more consequential would be to reach a comprehensive immigration reform that provided a path to citizenship for those people who are already in the United States. In one of its first days in office, the Biden administration laid out plans for exactly this kind of comprehensive liberal legislation that would provide a path to citizenship. But it's pretty clear in retrospect that this was just an attempt to try to keep advocacy groups happy without ever being a serious and important part of Biden's agenda. And 
In Biden's defense, there was just no chance that any legislation like this was ever going to get through the Senate. So the administration took a decision and said, okay, well, this is just an issue that we cannot deal with given the current comp uh, composition of Congress. So we're just going to put this on the back burner. But okay, they introduced this bill that, that was kind of signaling this is what we would do if we could. Now, that's really that bill that was hopeless has really been, you know, the only major effort in the previous Congress to get legislation through until actually just in the final days of the last Congress during the lame duck session. There was a bill introduced in the Senate by um, Kirsten Sinema and Tom Tillis, so a, a Democrat and a Republican, and they tried to get bipartisan interest in providing a path to citizenship for the so-called dreamers. These are people who were brought into the United States as minors, so they've always been considered kind of a special category of undocumented persons. It's not in any way their fault that they're in America, because they were bought over the border when they were too young to make decisions for themselves. So it's long been kind of a, a, a policy goal of, of various immigration reformers to perhaps provide a path to citizenship for this group of people, if for nobody else. This bill in the Senate provides that path just for that group, and it also extends Title 42 and includes a lot of other measures for reinforcing the border. So you can see that, you know, this is actually a very moderate, narrow, bipartisan piece of legislation. Even this died under a hail criticism from both the left and the right. The left said that it doesn't go far enough and the right said it goes way too far. They don't want to see any path to citizenship for any class of undocumented people in America. And indeed, it is actually long the, the views of the right which have prevented any sort of sensible immigration compromise in Congress. During Biden's presidency, Republicans and conservative media have been incredibly critical of what's happening on the border, but they've also not really offered any solutions or really been willing to countenance the kind of compromises that might actually allow something to change. Instead, we've seen them engage in a lot of stunts that have been designed to draw attention to the issue, and particularly there's been this kind of arms race among Republican governors, many of whom probably plan to run for president in 2024, just to kind of highlight that they are taking a tough stance on immigration. Not trying to solve the issue, but just basically to show that they're tough on it. One of the most deplorable examples of this have been efforts by Texas government Governor Greg Abbott and Florida Governor Ron DeSantis to bus or fly migrants to liberal cities. The supposed justification for this is that if blue states suddenly see migrants on their own doorsteps, then they'll kind of turn against them. And it really just shows the horrible view that, that these people have of migrants as been some kind of dangerous or insidious force that, you know, as soon as any people in blue states and in liberal parts of the country are confronted with migrants, they're suddenly going to turn against them and, and, and realize that immigration is a bad thing. This really makes no sense at all when you consider that, you know, one of the top destinations for migrants and refugees is California, which is one of the bluest states of all. Actually, just in general, blue parts of the country have many more migrants living in them than red parts do. And, you know, so the real purpose here is just to draw attention attention to these governors. And these stunts have really been, you know, they're carried out with no concern for the welfare of the migrants, many of whom seem to have been lied to about where they were been sent and why they were going there. Now that Republicans have taken control of Congress, it also seems likely that they're going to inaugurate endless investigations and hearings directed at the situation on the border, rather than actually trying to offer any solutions. They've even talked about impeaching Department of Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas, although they don't seem to have decided exactly yet what 
what high crime or misdemeanor he may be guilty of but you know he's he's a hispanic guy he's in charge of the border they see that as an opportunity to really kind of you know make a a, a racist attack that's going to appeal to their base you can expect republicans to continue to batter and the administration on this issue in the years to come but still not offer any actual solutions trump's tough approach obviously didn't work because this problem still exists and the whole debate in the u.s really suffers from not acknowledging that the main factors that affect whether or not migrants come are conditions in their home countries not what u.s policy is so we can expect two more years of gridlock in congress on this issue while the humanitarian and the moral harms continue to multiply at the border and we're just not going to see the action that's desperately needed to properly resource the refugee system the system of asylum courts and the you know the parts of the federal government that are responsible for looking after these refugees once they arrive in America. So that's all for this episode of America Explained. Thanks a lot, and I'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening to America Explained, which is brought to you by host Andy Gawthor and researcher, editorial assistant, and sometimes co-host Catherine Wood. If you like America Explained, please consider checking out our free newsletter, which you can find a link to in the show notes. That's all for this episode, and I look forward to speaking to you next time.